Hi, we're so excited that you stopped by to check out this week's podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the sermon. If you'd like more info about Providence, visit our website, providencecommunity.org. We hope to see you soon. You guys grab your Bibles. Um, we're actually going to uh, be opening to the, the Old Testament today, a couple spots. We'll start in 2 Samuel chapter 24 to begin with. Um, but uh, I, I just do want to reiterate, I know that you've been welcomed like 17 times already, but I, I can't help myself. I just want to welcome you. Uh, welcome is one of our uh, core values here, and uh, welcome is actually a part of the Father's heart, and so that's why we do it so regularly and so often. The Father is not stiff-arming you today and keeping you out. The Father is uh, has arms open wide, running to you, welcoming you in. And so you've got to hear that or uh, sermons don't matter. All right? So if you feel like God is just trying to, to beat you to a pulp um, this morning uh, with his word, then you're not going to receive it. If you feel like this is a welcoming word, uh, inviting you deeper into his heart, uh, let the good times roll. Amen? Uh, so we want to welcome you. Um, this is, if you've been uh, around for the past few weeks, uh, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm just a few weeks out from uh, just returning from a, a six-week sabbatical. And uh, so I've got so many things on my heart, and I'm actually in a really good season. It's not an easy season, but it's a good season where there's deep things going on in my heart. There's lots of healing going on in my heart. I think that, um, that healing is one of the, the most important things in Christianity, um, and it is, it is perhaps the most overlooked thing in discipleship. Um, so we, we, we cram people full of how-to knowledge and theological truths, and those aren't bad. But if you're just cramming people full of how-to knowledge and theological uh, understanding, but you're not actually seeing them whole first, then you're just making broken people smart. Uh, and so, so getting healed, getting healed. I love what Jesus uh, in the early days of his ministry, he goes to the temple and he uh, is given the, the scroll from Isaiah 61 uh, and he reads it, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Uh, to, 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 and I don't have it memorized, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a prophecy that Jesus is the fulfillment of that speaks healing into the, the, the people of God again. This is how Jesus is starting out his ministries, is that the, the gospel actually does things in you so you don't have to spiritualize and glorify your brokenness. Uh, there's hope for you. And so God's showing me these things, giving me new dreams for new seasons, and uh, very excited. Um, do you know where some of, uh, or where a lot of my dreams are, are landing in these days? Um, I've, I've always dreamt about you guys and for you guys and for us as a, as a family and as a church, that we're, we're more than a church. I, I, I think that God wants to use us as a movement that takes ground. Um, and uh, I've always been excited about us, but I'm, I'm more excited about my family at home uh, more than ever. So I'm dreaming about my kids and, and my wife. Can't share those with you, you know. <laughs> But uh, I, I've got dreams, I've got dreams. I just want to see us, see us be a family uh, that, that not does church but is church. I just want to see us, yeah. So I don't lead worship up here anymore. I lead worship for my family. Uh, so I, I, I want to, man, I, I want to see my family really get the Father's heart in, in fresh new ways. And so that's where it has to start. It is, it is so, so good. But I want to speak this into you. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was hearing Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot. We're not going there. But it says, I know the plans I have for you, uh, plans for your future, plans for hope. 
I think a lot of, of us need to hear that, and a lot of us don't believe that. Uh, sometimes, often, we feel like we're the exception when it comes to God's love. And if we don't believe that God loves us, how in the world could he have good plans for us? My life has been hard, we say. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the exception to God's good plans. But I want you to hear that God does have not just good uh, plans, but a tremendous future for you. And I want you to, be, uh, to, to know that and let that land on you, to, to be really uh, encouraged. Uh, but I want you to be massively encouraged about something here first. And this is where I'm going with this this morning. Massive encouragement coming your way, okay? That God does have great plans for you. He has a future and a hope. He has set his love upon you. And these are all great things. But here comes the massive, uh, massive encouragement is that there's going to be opposition. Okay? Now, I know it doesn't sound like massive encouragement. Like, wait, is that, is that a transitional statement? Because <laughs> massive encouragement. And then I, I, I thunk you just said uh, there's going to be opposition. And that, that is the encouragement. Okay? That is the encouragement. There's going to be opposition. And here's why it's encouraging. It's because we have this idea of God that if it's easy, it's God. If there's opposition, it's not. And so we go into life that is not easy. And we say, God doesn't care. God doesn't see me. God's abandoned me. He's left me here to rot. The encouragement is there's loads of opposition that God will meet you with. And because you're experiencing opposition does not mean that you're experiencing a loss of the favor of God. And right in the midst of your opposition, God loves to meet you. These things are designed for your growth. And the enemy would say, because of your opposition, that God doesn't care, God's abandoned you, nobody sees you, you're operating in neglect. This is just like the kingdom of darkness, to always feel like you're the victim, make you believe that. But God says, there's no opposition that stands in the way of my move in your life. Uh, have you ever, have you ever uh, had to uh, maybe lose 10, 15 pounds? Huh? Do you know how difficult that is for a Herndon? Come on. Does anybody, maybe, it's a, maybe you're the kind of person that, you, you know, suddenly you're ripped like, you know, Schwarzenheimer, all right? And, then, and, and you say, what was your secret? And why? Well, just stop drinking, you know, soft drinks. Oh, you little, all right? You little, right? There's some things that are very hard, and it's the hard that makes them great victories. Just because it is easy doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's, it's not, you see. Uh, we're always inclined towards ease, and, uh, and we always seem to reject uh, challenges as not from God, even though often they are. So there's two sides to opposition. Um, that, that I, since I've said all that, I, I've, I've got to explain myself a little bit, and please do just have your finger in 2 Samuel chapter 24. I'll, I'll tell you where we're going with that in a moment. But there's two sides to opposition. This is very, very important. That there's, there's, uh, the, the first side is there's the, the person being opposed. Okay, maybe it's a person that you're taking a hill that you really believe God has called you to take. You're going on a journey that, really, that you really believe God's led you on. You're, you're operating in obedience that you know is from God, but it is, it is, there's something trying to distract you, to sway you, to discourage you, to keep you from going to where God is calling. So some of us are going through opposition this morning, and, and the opposition is, is presenting itself, in your case, as, as you are going somewhere. Opposition is trying to stop you. You are, in fact, being opposed. 
that, 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 came, that came out with power. I didn't try that. Wow. So I, I hit, it was some, my, my ears ringing for myself. Like a, the, uh, but here's the other thing. It's, we usually think, when we think about opposition, that, that we are the ones being opposed. But there's a second kind of op- opposition that uh, it's not always me being opposed. It's me actually doing the opposing. That's interesting. There's, there's the kind of opposition where it's you and I are actually standing in the way from, uh, of the move of God and we think that we're good. We actually think that the response to the people that we're opposing, their response of like they're still charging, we're like, man, no, we're, we're going to be an oak of righteousness and we're going to stand our ground. I'm going to oppose the one taking the hill. I'm going to oppose the one operating in their calling. I'm going to oppose that person. I'm going to spiritualize it. And the crazy thing is, the stealthy thing is, is that we don't realize necessarily that we are the opposition because we've spiritualized it so crazily. And this, this happens, like, let me say it like this. Often when you read the story of David and Goliath, here's the reality. You're not always David in that story. Sometimes you are the giant opposing the giant killer. So we, we read, like, I'm always David. <laughs> well, there's this thing called humility that I'd like to introduce us to, Okay. That I, I spoke last week that every single person is an image bearer, and, and that means that we're value, valuable. But I never once, here's the thing, and I heard people talking like this, and I want to bring ultra clarity to this. I never said we're good. I said we're valuable. Okay? I didn't say that we're good. The Bible actually says, spiritually speaking, that we're dead in our sins and blind. And so many times in our blindness, we're actually, we're, we're opposing what is good. We're Goliath and not David. And in every situation, like, we're not always Moses going against Pharaoh. Sometimes we're Pharaoh. So, you know, I'm not going to release these people. You're going to have to whoop me for a while first. Okay, I can do that, God says. Uh, you're not always Jesus, when you read the Bible, it's not, you don't always stand in his sandals. You don't always, it's not always, sometimes you are the Pharisee. So when I'm saying that there's going to be opposition, let's, let's really take this on biblically. Because the reality is that sometimes we are the opposition. And so 2 Samuel chapter 4, starting with verse 18, going to verse 25, this is a pretty kind of, Weird passage. Actually, reading it through my lens today and us reading it through our lens, this is scary. Um, it, uh, it, it's, we, don't really, we don't really approach passages like this because they are so weird. Um, David has made a decision here that has actually brought hardship and calamity um, to his city. And so David is in this place where really what, what's, what's opposing the city that David is the king of is his bad decision. And David was one of these guys. He made lots of these. Am I, am I scaring you guys at all? Are you guys are you still with me? I didn't chase you off, right? So th- there's calamity. There's actually plague going on in the city. And we pick it up in verse 18 of 2 Samuel chapter uh, 24. 
And it says this. It says, And Gad, Gad was one of David's prophets. Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of... Oh, oh, I think I'm pronouncing this right. I'm going to... If I'm not... I'm just, I'm just going to say it this way, all right? Uh, Aruna. All right, let's just call it Aruna. Uh, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. So this was a word from God. The Lord commanded this uh, through Gad the prophet. Look at verse 20. And when Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aruna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the fleshing, uh, the threshing floor from you. Now stop for a second. A few weeks ago, Pastor Marcel preached a pretty insanely great message about a threshing floor. And you should podcast that one, please, and do yourself and uh, everybody that encounters you a favor on that one. But here we've got orders to go buy a, a fleshing f- uh, floor from a man named Aruna in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. Let's stop right there a second. Do you understand what's going on? Here's the orders that David has. Go to Aruna, buy his fle- threshing floor. It happened to be up high on a hill. By the threshing floor, and there I want you to make sacrifice. In other words, I, I want you, to, I want you to, to worship me. And then you and I are going to do some business together, David, God says. So this is what's going on. If you look at verse 21, you see the reason that God is sending David to Aruna's house. And the reason is very specifically to buy. That word is not accidental in the text. God's saying, you go buy the threshing floor from Aruna. And David announces that when he gets there. He's like, here's the reason I'm here. Here's the purpose. Here's the mission that I'm on. I'm buying something from you today. It's going to be your threshing floor. And, and here's why. I'm going to make sacrifice there. Uh, and uh, this plague is going to be averted. Now, here is the opposition in this passage, though. And it's, it is so stealthy. It's so sneaky. It's so interesting how opposition creeps into our life. It's so interesting how we think that we're never it. But sometimes we're not it. Sometimes it is coming at us. Like, opposition is crafty. But here is the opposition. It's actually found in in verse 22 and 23. Listen to this. This is uh, what happens after all this stuff has, uh, you know, progressed. Verse 22 says, Then Aruna said to David, the king, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of oxen for the wood. All this, O king Aruna, gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, the Lord your God accepts you. Now, if you, if you even skip down, what is it here? If, if you actually skip back up to verse 20, look at this for a moment. Let me find it in my, it says, When Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aruna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. So we've got a humble man, so it seems, um, that when he sees the king, he gets on his face and he pays homage to David. And then David said, I'm here to buy the threshing floor. And Aruna says, listen, let me give it to you for free. And not only the threshing floor for free, but take all of my oxen as the sacrifice and take any wooden tools that I have for the wood. Be blessed, David. Be blessed. Here you go. See, this is, I want us to to see this, that in this case, I want us to see the ease of it as the opposition. This is super challenging. Well, I don't see any opposition. I see favor. Well, it's not favor if the offer 
is disobedient. God is very specific. By the threshing floor. Well, Arun is giving it. What a blessing. What a blessing. No, it's not a blessing. In fact, if you took it without paying, that would be disobedience and it would turn out to be a curse. See, this is, it's, it, what, what makes this ease as opposition, we've got to see this, what, what makes it super challenging is, is there's a lot of generosity going on and the heart of the Father is generous and the kingdom of God operates in generosity and generosity is, is so good. So instead of, so basically what Aruna is saying to David is, is, is he's saying, saying, just take the hill. Just take it. Let me make it easy for you. You're the king. Take the hill. Take the oxen. Take all my tools for the fire. This is a lot of generosity. And this could be very confusing for David. It's not, but it could be. And then to make matters even worse, is this is coming from a humble person. It would be easy to say no to this if the person was, was spiteful and wicked and evil and, and seemed like he's opposing outwardly because of his personality or because of his perspective. But here, we've got a humble person paying homage. Yet David could have ridden up and say, whoa, we got, we got humility in operation. We got generosity in operation. This guy's, pay, uh, this guy's face is to the ground. Opposition would not come in the form of humility, would it? Well, interestingly enough, it would. And how we determine God's will way too often in the church is if it's easy. It's God. If it's easy. When I was in elementary school a long time ago, we used to hatch dinosaurs, all right? I'm 40 now. I feel like I've been alive for a while, all right? But they weren't, we used to hatch baby chickens in school. I don't know if they still do this. But I remember hatching these chickens, and it's just the egg sitting there in an incubator for a long time. And then you remember the day, if you're doing math, if you're doing you know, science, if you're doing, no matter what's going on, everything stops when these little chickens start pecking through the, 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 the shell of the egg that they're coming through. And I remember the whole class, we'd be looking at these chicks, and they were struggling. They don't just burst out all fuzzy and, and all like nice and happy, like, they're not like that. They're like, there's, it, is a, it is a struggle for them to get out. And I remember Remember that myself and some of my friends, we were like, help them, help them, help them. And the teacher actually said, you can't help them, don't touch them, because it's the struggle that makes them able to live. If we made it easy for them, they wouldn't be healthy. They have to know the struggle of bursting out of their shell. And so we come in, and we come in, that's a kingdom principle that we get from God. This is, we, we can't be the kind of church that is a trust fund people where we only know hills that were given to us for free. And then we call that God, but we don't know what it is to take up arms and do battle against real opposition. My, my daughter Lena, she was up here today and she loved the painting, which that was done by an 11 year old, by the way, friends, okay? Um, and she loved flags over here. I was like, what she's looking at? She's like looking at flags and stuff, and she's kind of confused, and I love that, all right? She's learning to tie her shoes, and she always says, hey, Daddy, watch me. I learned that this is a 37-minute process, all right? So I'll watch you. <laughs> and I so want to just get down there and just tie her shoes. This is how you do it. Did you see it? Is it tight enough? Huh? Get on. Get moving. <laughs> 
that's what I want to do. <laughs> uh, but Le- I have to watch her struggle, and I see her doing it wrong. Oh, start over. Oh. <laughs> uh, when she finally does it like half right, I have to celebrate that. But listen, she has to learn. If she's 40 years old and she has to call me to her house to tie her shoes, listen, I'm not a good dad. And so here, here, what, here what is happening is God is actually calling David into something greater than a life of ease. He's calling David into the greatness of heavenly obedience that actually makes us strong and grow. So in verse 24, I love David's response to Aruna, who I, I for, for all intents and purposes, I have no reason to judge Aruna's motives. But whether he was clean and pure-hearted or not, he still stood as the opposition to what God was doing. And here David's response to Aruna in verse 24 is, but the king said to Aruna, and I I know that I'm pronouncing that wrong. I just got to, but you know who I'm talking about, right? The king says to this guy, no, but I will buy it from you for a price and let this next statement sing uh, sing over you and sink to the depths of your being. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. I'm not doing this. I'm buying this from you. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. If we wonder how David, who is an adulterer, who is a murderer, who's not a perfect man, but how he is known in the scriptures as a man after God's own heart, here's where it is. Feast your eyes. David loves and treasures God so much that even though he's an imperfect man, he treasures God enough to not take on free worship. Can I, say, can I say it this way? That worship that is easy is the worship of ease. Worship that is easy is the worship of ease. And I'm really concerned for the, the, the state of the church in these days. I know there's a lot of stuff going on and uh, we all have our, our own opinions. But just from my perspective, I get very concerned for the state of the church because actually there's, there's churches out there that their whole goal is to like, be the kind of church that non-believers like to attend. <laughs> And so I can't tell you how many times I've heard of one church in the area and how comfortable their seats are. And, uh, and we hear all these things, and then, then there's this pressure on me, make sure when we build our facility that we get some nice seats. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. It's interesting. Do you like, guys like stats? You guys like stats? Huh? No? Okay. I, I don't care. All right. So I'm going to give you a stat. Um, it's interesting that uh, we, as a church, have decided to build a house. Uh, we prayed hard about it. Uh, we've, been, we've been doing this kind of thing for almost a dozen years. You know that? Setting up, tearing down. Uh, a minuscule amount of uh, you know, people in comparison to about the 900 people that call Providence home <laughs> actually serve and help us do this. Uh, but uh, that's a whole other story. Let me get to the stat part. Is the house that we're building... On the hill, interestingly enough, uh, and it used to be called the Hilltop Country Barn. And it always makes me think of Joshua and Caleb. They say, give me the hill country, you know. It's very interesting to me, and it has a windmill on it, and I get all, like, undone about that silliness, all right. But it's interesting, like, we're going to a, a, 
uh, we're, we're building a house that we prayerfully considered and we haven't rushed it. Um, and uh, we're very concerned about the chairs, but only 40% of the Providence family have even given $5 towards this thing. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. And I'm not saying that because we need the funds. Like we're actually, those, the 40% have laid it down. And they've said, I'm not going to worship in a house for free. And they're actually putting their money where their mouth is. The other 60% are usually the complainers that are saying how we're doing church wrong. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The, the day in which we live is we say, well, wouldn't it be God if the hill or the house was given to us for free? And I say, no, it wouldn't. We're not trust fund children. We've got battles to fight in our generation, and God's going to make us strong as a result. I don't want it for free if it was given for free. We're, we're taking the hill. We're taking the hill. And uh, let me say this again, the worship that is easy is the worship of ease. Uh, obedience is supposed to be difficult. Um, worship is supposed to cost. Um, I, my, my son, this summer, I actually, it was actually last week, he wanted to go to the, he actually got you know, accepted into the, a Nike basketball uh, camp for the week. And he said, Dad, can I go? Can I go? I've got this opportunity. I want to go. How much does it cost? $340. You can go. Yeah! <laughs> but you're paying for it. Oh. 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 Different story. How am I going to do that? If you want to go, son, I'm sure you'll figure it out. I'll drive you there. I'll drop you off. But I'm not paying for this. If you really want it, do it. Well, Dad, um, maybe I can mow lawns. Whose lawn could I mow? That's a great idea, son. Um, I don't know whose you could mow. Figure it out. <laughs> oh, and by the way... Whose lawnmower are you using? You want to rent mine? Uh, you want to rent mine? Hey, whose gas are you putting in that rented mower, boy? Oh, oh, so, oh so, son, I, I can't give this to you. You're a 12-year-old massive giant. Did you see all the little kids up here? And the, the, that kid, uh, uh, that's Ethan, man. He's like, he's confusing to look at. You're like, what? You've got to figure this out. And so in 11 days, I championed my son. I worked out a deal with him for a lawnmower and the gas. He went around and found people knocking on their doors. He said, Dad, can you come with me? I don't know this person. I said, I'm going to watch you from the bushes, but you're on your own. <laughs> All right? And I did. I kind of spied out. I acted like I'm doing the cleaning something. Like, I see that. So if they invite you in, I'm blasting down the door. Okay? But, uh, uh, but, but you're on your own on this. It's because you're not a little baby anymore. And I want you to experience the cost of victory. And in 11 days, my son raised the price of the thing. And I drove him down there and celebrated this. So good. There's, uh, let me get specific here. Um, tithing is supposed to hurt. So when the plate passes, oh, it's a tight month. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Whose month was not tight? Like, let me see a show of hands. Like, how many of us are just independently wealthy and don't struggle with this? It's supposed to hurt. And it's supposed to be worship that declares our trust in our provider, not the provision. Provision. 
Do you guys like stats? Do you like stats here? you like stats? Anybody like stats? You know what the statistics are for tithing at Providence? 50%. 50% of people this year have given a dollar. Okay, that means half of us, one out of every two. Listen, you're welcome here, and we're going to snuggle you if you want. We're going to hug on you. You are always welcome here. There's no requirements to joining us. But listen, there are, there are great battles that God is calling you to be battle-tested in for your growth. For your growth. Worship. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. The reason I like my daughter Lena staring at people waving flags is because it's strange to her and that's good. The kind of worship that we love is the kind of worship that we, where we're singing old songs that we were grown up singing. And they're not bad songs. They should keep being sung, but not at the disobedience of not singing a new song too. And just because it's new doesn't mean it somehow lacks theology. So I'm so oh, new means shallow, old means deep. Um, have you grabbed a hymnal and opened it? Uh, come on, very strange things in there that aren't deep, but they feel good if that's from your tradition, and it's okay. I hope I'm making you extremely uncomfortable right now. There's there's a biblical mandate to rejoice. It's not it's not a suggestion saying hey maybe. Maybe, yeah, you're experiencing opposition. Maybe if you, I don't know if you feel like it, maybe be happy. (laughs) I don't know. But God actually says to rejoice in the presence of your enemies. That Paul is a great example of this. Paul and Silas, when he's in chains in a dungeon, what is he doing? Singing. Um. What the, it's, it's singing is another thing. I know I've given you stats. Let me give another thing that's definitely going to ruin my life of friends. It's, it's happening already, so might as well just continue. Uh, the, uh, I saw a clip on social of, uh, of some acquaintances, uh, acquaintances of mine at a Yankees game. And they're like, look at this. Because the section that they were in at the Yankees game, they've all got their gear on. There is a man and his wife, and they're surrounded by men singing to the top of their lungs the national anthem, Half of them hoisting beers and getting silly with it. <laughs> getting silly. And these are the same people that come to Providence and say, I don't like music. I just, I'm going to, it's not me. I can't stand that. I, I can't stand that. I can't, I can't stand the kind of church where it's okay to sing the national anthem but, uh, but there's all kinds of roadblocks to singing, when I thought I lost me, you know where to find me. You reintroduced me to your love. It's hard to sing something you've never experienced. So there's, there's, there's this stuff. There's, the, the Bible tells us to dance. I was preaching at a... Uh, I was preaching, at, and I've never, I've never danced in worship before, and I know that God is letting me be very, I've never danced anywhere before, honestly. I haven't, uh, except in the privacy of my own, well, not even there. But I, 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 it's, just, it's just like, it's so hard for me. Like, I, uh, I, I love to sway a little bit. I can do this, but man, uh, it's so hard for me. But I just, God's, God's making me uncomfortable with that. It's making me uncomfortable. I was speaking at the, the big camp out that God really moved on. And the big camp out is uh, just where, you know, tribes, youth invited lots of other youth ministries from around the area to come worship, come get good teaching, 
um, come have fun together and let's, let's break down. It's not us uh, against you. It's like us together advancing the kingdom. There's a lot of other groups there. I got to meet a lot of great people. And at the big camp out, as I'm preaching, I'm getting the word kneel, 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 kneel in my head. So I stopped preaching. I said, is there anyone here named Neil? <laughs> and a kid in the front row, he actually comes to the province. It was that guy right there. Can you stand up for a second? It was this guy right here. Turn around and let the people see you. It was this guy right here, all right? <laughs> yes. Now you can sit down. Thank you. So he, he actually says, he, he's in the front row, and he shouts, maybe we're supposed to kneel. Oh, okay. So I said, everybody kneel. Everybody kneel. And everybody did. And God began to move as we knelt in a way that my words could, could never. There's, like, the, the enemy is trying to keep you trapped in last season. He's trying to keep your feet from dancing and your kneel, knees from kneeling. He's trying, to, he's trying to, to keep your best praise for ballparks. And, and he wants the best you've got. Shouts. Do you know the word worship actually comes from the word uh, to prostrate yourself? So when we're talking about worship, we're not ultimately talking about singing. We're not ultimately talking about, we're ultimately, ultimately talking about prostrating ourselves before an awesome God who is altogether lovely in every way. And we want our hearts to be raptured by him, his person, his presence, his goodness, his kindness, his, his might, his power. I just want to receive that. The, the book of Numbers, chapter 13, it's another just powerful, powerful story where, where God is calling his people into a land. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, Numbers 13, 2 says, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Man, that's a pretty specific and clear promise. I want you to, spend men, I want you to send men to spy this place out. And here's why. Not to see if you can, but to testify of the great victory that I'm going, I'm going to give you. And what happens in this is when 12 men are sent in and uh, when they come back bearing the bounty of the land and fruit and all kinds of things, here's, here's the report when they come back. It said, uh, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. That's a way of saying it is like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like abundant. And, and this is its fruit. They brought some back. Um, there, there's pictures of like Joshua and Caleb like carrying like huge, massive, like basketball-sized grapes. That's not in the text, but who knows, all right? When you got a grape the size of a watermelon, how many would say that's abundance, man, right? And it, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, however, and so here they're dabbling they're dabbling and actually sharing their opinion instead of operating in obedience. God didn't ask for your obedience. God asked you to bring back the fruit, to show everybody, this is what I'm giving you. Oh, but, but there's these howevers, and the however is the opposition. However, we, we want to operate in wisdom here. Let's get reasonable. The people, look at verse 28, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. But isn't God who sent us? Well, I'm I, I, sorry to be, okay. And the cities are fortified and very large. Have you heard of the kingdom of heaven? The God of angel armies? I'm just seeing here, no? Okay, never, now you keep going. 
And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land. The descendants of Anak are, are the descendants of the Nephilim who are, who are supposed to be half human, half demon. So they, they, they probably quite large. This is, this is so we, we can't take the land. We can't take the hill country, the low country, the coastland, the riverbeds. We, we can't do that because here's why. It's not easy. It's, it's too difficult. And God's, God's saying, like, you're actually being your own opposition. Um, if you just trusted me that I was bigger than any giant, giant cities, giants in hills, giants in the valley, if you trusted me and just operated in the difficulty of obedience and sang my praise, you would literally see giants fall and walls come down. I wasn't asking for your opinion. I just told you to take the hill country. In verse 31, the people are, oper- uh, are refused to operate in this promise, and they say, you know, we're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. And so uh, they created an, an uprising. And if you look at this in, in Numbers chapter 14, it says they, they grumbled. The whole congregation said to them, if we had only died in Egypt, we wish we could go back there. Let's get a new leader that instead of leading us to the future, will lead us to the past to the good times. Wow. And churches are full of those kinds of leaders. Let's get back to what's been done. Instead of leaders that are courageous enough, like a Caleb or a Joshua, that say, hey, let's go do what's impossible. As God is taking you into to, to new territories, he's giving you all the grace required. Can I toss this out at you? When you're wrestling with God's will, I've said this, but I, I want to I iron this into our hearts. When we're wrestling with God's will, just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not God. He's, he's, maybe he's breaking you out of a shell. Maybe he is, he's going after your healing and there are ancient walls in your heart that it's time that they come down. Maybe he wants you to operate in freedom instead of spiritualizing your bondage. And it's not going to be easy but it's going to be God. And just because it's easy doesn't mean it's God. Doesn't mean it's God. It doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's easy doesn't mean it's God. Wow, this just worked out. (laughs) She walked straight into my life. It was easy. Well, aren't you married? Well, (laughs) it was easy. I've heard that story quite a few times on both sides. It's not, a, ease doesn't necessarily mean God's opening a door. God's not always calling us to what's easy. Wow, this is getting tough. I guess I'll stop and abandon the dreams that God's put on my heart since childhood. No, not, it's not necessarily God closing the door just because it's hard. Listen, we have any married folk around here? Is it just me or is marriage rough? Marriage rough. And when it gets rough, listen, when your family, you hang together and you say, we're going to get through this with an otherworldly power and strength. And we're going to lock arms. We're going to go to bed kissing, though we, we just feel like, ah, I just feel like building a wall between us. We're, we're knocking down walls. We're stepping over barriers. We keep coming after each other, and it's hard. 
It's called marriage. As God, as God is taking you into new territories and new seasons, giving you new dreams, calling for deeper levels of obedience, calling you for, for, uh, for new depths, and as you're faced with opposition, there's a few things to look for. I want you to keep your eyes really open for these things. Number chapter 14, verse 2 to 4, listen to this. And the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be good. These guys are, are, are pro- prophesying the demonic. Our wives and little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Yes, let's go back where it's easy. Where you were slaves? Yeah. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's go back there. Here's a few things to look for as, you are, as God is calling you into deeper depths and better futures. That Here's the first thing. You need to, with all of your heart, guard against grumbling. You've got to guard against grumbling. Listen, if grumbling is emerging in your own heart, that is a a warning flag that you're becoming the opposition. You're becoming the opposition when, when, when you allow yourself to grumble. Well, I'm grumbling against things that are dumb. Well, if it's grumbling, God doesn't fight dumb things with grumbling. It's not, it's not in his arsenal. There's opposition, like, like crazy things that, set them, uh, that are opposed to the kingdom. God fights those things with other weapons. Grumbling is never one of them. So whether, it's, whether it's, it's you grumbling about something or someone, or if you hear other people grumbling about you, you never receive that. And I want to speak this to you guys here today. If somebody at your work or somebody at your school or somebody in your family or something is happening where people are grumbling about you, maybe it's, it's secondhand grumbling, maybe it's 12th hand grumbling, you heard that you heard that you heard that you heard, never partner with a spirit of grumbling. People that don't have the courage just to come to you in love and say, hey, listen, you hurt me going on this, but you just hear the grumbling or the grumbling at you or the talking grumbling style, you never partner with that. You've got to guard against that. That grumbling makes you the opposition. It's never a good thing. You can't partner with a spirit of grumbling. Listen, so here's another thing to, to look for is you, you've got to guard against or look out for the, the lure of last season. Oh, remember when we were a little church of like 71 people on the square? Remember that? We were right. It was so nice. Oh, remember, yeah, everyone was younger. I do miss that. Uh, but uh, I, 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 do, you, do you remember back in, in those days, in those days, in those days? I do remember those days, and they're like a trophy in my heart. But I'm believing for better days. The lure of last season can't have us. We, we, we have to stop wanting to return, and we have to start uh, partnering with God to pioneer. Last season was comfortabler. That's bad English, you know, but I, I, Jesus loves you. Uh, last season, was, it was easier. The, the enemy is trying his best to get you to go in reverse with your life. And last season is reverse. I know the plans I have for you, declare the, Lord's, the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So God's, God's future-oriented when it comes to your life. And you treasure up the great victories. And sometimes you go back to the past remember, God who is faithful here will be faithful here. But I'm not living for here. I'm living for, the, I'm living for God who is taking me into a new and better future. And I would look out for this. 
I, I, would, I, would make a, uh, I would make a covenant with your heart to follow courage over reason. And I'm not saying to operate in stupidity, and I'm not saying to operate uh, in a lack of wisdom. Wisdom is great, but the wisdom of the world is, some, is sometimes not recognized as wisdom. And so sometimes, so follow courage over reason. Look at this. I love the response here that Caleb and Joshua and Moses and Aaron. It says, it says that when they'd heard all these things, when they see that people want to go to their, bat, their last season, when they're operating and grumbling, here's, what, here's how they respond. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all of the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. And said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out. Listen, to spy it out, not to make a recommendation, not to form an opinion, to spy it out. Is exceedingly good, is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. We're not going to have to strive. It's not going to be easy, but there's no striving anymore. Yeah, there's going to be a battle, but it's going to be a, a, a battle that we, that we don't even fight for. God will fight for us. He will give this to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people, for their bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And you think after a sermon like that, after you've heard people that say, oh, been there, done that. I know God has something better for us. Let's not operate in fear. Let's operate in the victory that God wants to pour out on us. You'd, say, you'd think that people would say, you know what, you're right. What are we thinking? But actually what these people did is they picked up stones and tried to kill them. And literally the glory of God has to show up at the tent of meeting to stop them. Man, we need new encounters with the glory of God to yank us out of our reason and our stupor. I would say, guys, like, if you're interested in leadership at Providence, like, like number one is you've got to be radically obsessed with Jesus, man. And you've got to be a man or a woman of courage that is willing to say, hey, here's where we're going. I'm sorry it feels unreasonable to you. I, I love Psalm 132. Starting with verse 1. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured. Yes. It's hard. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or go into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Here's a man who's obsessed with the presence of God even though his life's been difficult. He says, God, like what I want most is, is I want your presence to dwell in, in, in town, in your own house. And then I want my whole life to be a pursuit of you and meeting in your presence. And it's very interesting to me that I was reading this verse and I was reading 2 Samuel, where, you know that hill, that threshing floor that David bought from Aruna, all right? That's the place that turned into the temple where the presence of God met. The place where David said, I don't want a freebie. I want to pioneer. I want to pioneer. What he's actually pioneering is bigger than him. It's, he's pioneering the, the temple, which is a model 
on the outside for what now on this side of the cross, heaven's doing on the inside of his church. Pouring out his glory and his spirit, making us a people that are hungrier for God than ease. Wrestling with God, wrestling with God. I love this. I, I wonder how many of you are here today and the battles that you're fighting the opposition that you're feeling. I just, I wonder if you just ask yourself, hey God, is, is this because I'm, I'm literally keeping you away and you're trying to welcome me in and I'm scared of being in? I'm scared of the intimacy that we could have. I don't want you to see into me. I, I, I like keeping you at a distance. I wonder how many of us, like God is saying, hey, I'd like to break down that wall. I'd like to give you a fearless courage that would, that would say, God, I want you in. I, I'm tired of cheap worship where I spectate and evaluate instead of spy out the land and celebrate your bounty, your goodness. I don't know what God's doing in, in these days. I don't know what God's doing in your heart. But I, I just, I, I beg you, church, as, as, a, as your friend and the pastor of this house, I beg you, church, that we would be people that we don't criticize as much as we celebrate the move of God. God's not asking for our opinion. God's asking for us to give all we've got. Amen? Amen? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's, let's stand to our feet a moment. Stand our feet, and even God, as we stand, I just pray that this standing, like, like uh, spiritually speaking in our hearts, we'd be, we, we'd be stepping into a new season where things that have kept us bound would literally be falling off as we stand. And we would, be, we would be standing for your great and glorious move in our day and what you want to do. And so I bless these people, image bearers, very valuable, but, but, but we're broken. And we've got things in our lives that stand in opposition to your move. And God, whether we feel humble, whether we've acted in homage God, all of these things that, that look good on the outside, we ask you to come invade our inside and to do something so, so sweet and so, so good. And that is give us the victory in hard times. Give us a grace to pioneer instead of go back. I pray that in every specific situation. I pray that in every place that each individual needs right now. I, I, just, I just release magnificent encouragement to follow Jesus and not ever sway. To follow Jesus and treasure him above all things. To not have to, ha to, ha not have to know the end from the beginning, but just follow Jesus in the journey. God, I just release that into people today, and I ask for it in increasing measure in my life. God, we bless you, we praise you. Thank you that there's world changers in this room, and that right now you're sending us into a dark world to be the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ. So send us out bold and courageous, we pray, to stand in a dark world, and to love, and to speak, and to hug, and to pioneer, I pray. We bless you, we praise you, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys.